0: back with you and to be sharing in this theme on the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to read about patience, and we'll read from Colossians 1, 9 to 14, and then over in Colossians 3, 5 to 14. So, two passages, and both relate to patience. Colossians 1, 9 to 14, first of all. Paul says, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then on in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. Again, keeping this thought of patience in mind as we read Paul's words. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others." Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We find them listed by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, nine spiritual qualities And they actually fall very neatly into three sets of three. And the first three that we've looked at, love, joy, and peace, characterize our upward relationship with God. They focus in on how we relate to our Maker. The next three, patience, kindness, and goodness, characterize our relationships with one another. They have to do at the social level with how we interact With one another, and the first that we look at this morning is patience. You know, I'm sure you've heard this little bit of doggerel patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, seldom seen in woman, never in a man. (laughs) Patience is not one of the stronger aspects of human nature. In fact, in the Greco Roman world of the New Testament, patience wasn't even considered to be a virtue. But the Bible shows us that patience is indeed a virtue. It's an aspect of the spiritual fruit that God brings to birth in us through the Holy Spirit. It should be a characteristic of our lives in Christ. John Chrysostom, the golden-mouthed preacher of his day in the fourth century, described patience in these words as the queen of virtues, the foundation of right action, peace in war, calm in tempest, security in plots. The word that is actually used in the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, is macrothumia it means good temper and we translate it today as patience sometimes it's translated in the scriptures as perseverance when miles coverdale translated the bible into english in 1535 very early translation out uh, into the into the language of the people he made up a word for this Greek word makrothumia, long-suffering. It's hard to think of that. We, we've heard of the word long-suffering. We just assume it's been there forever. But actually, it was made up by Miles Coverdale to express this word that we use today uh, with the word, translate today with the word patience. John MacArthur, he says makrothumia has to do with tolerance and long-suffering that endures injuries inflicted by others, the calm willingness to accept situations that are irritating and painful. Well, we all find ourselves in those kind of situations, things that get under the skin, things that irritate, things that aggravate, long-suffering patience is is, uh, how God enables us to deal with these things. Archbishop Trench of a past century defined patience as a long holding out of the mind before it gives room to action or passion, the self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate a wrong. That doesn't describe us very often, does it? Usually, we go up like a rocket and bonfire night when something happens to get under our skin. But in other words, trying to say it's a long fuse, (laughs) and uh, it takes a long time uh, before we then act on a situation. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32, the Scripture says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Patience, how we all need it. My wife's aunt was a telephonist in the days when you had to phone the telephone exchange to get put through. And you've seen it in old films, you know, where they sit in front with all these things and they're putting these things in and and with the headphones on. And this lady was being trained as a telephonist and uh, and she she took her she took her headphones off after <laughs> I said, "Oh my goodness," she said. That man was so patient. I kept getting him the wrong number, and he would come back on and said, "I'm sorry, you got me the wrong number again. Can you try again?" Uh, and uh, I kept. Uh, t- eventually, eventually, uh, I got him through to the right number, but he remained calm. If I'd been in his place, I'd have become really angry. I think I'd like to meet that person. The supervisor looked at the note of the number that she had scribbled on her pad, Who was? and she said, oh, I know who that is. That's my pastor. And there was a brief pause. And the lady said, I think I'd like to go and hear him preach. Patience, In an intolerant world of impatient people, patience shines forth as a supernatural quality because it reflects the very nature of God Himself. It's an amazing witness to God uh, and and what God is like, patience. In in Exodus 34 and verse 5, uh, uh, Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, And we're told, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Slow to anger filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. The psalmist says in Psalm 86, verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Long-suffering, macrothumia, patience. That is the very nature of God Himself. And in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the the Hebrew Old Testament, this uh, slow to anger was, was uh, translated from the Hebrew into the Greek with that word that we've mentioned, makrothumia. So, when we say God is patient, we mean He's slow to become angry. He is long-suffering. Paul says in Romans 9.22, even though God has the right to show His anger and His power… He is very patient with those on whom His anger falls. He does this to make the riches of His glory shine even brighter on those to whom He shows mercy. And then, of course, that that verse that we were thinking of with the children, two Peter three nine. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promises. Some people think He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. If you and I are to bear the fruit of patience in our lives, then we must do it by being like our Creator, being like God Himself. And that means that, first of all, we must show patience under provocation. The word for patience means steadfastness under provocation. When provoked, Jesus does not allow us to excuse our bad temper. He always showed tremendous restraint and patience in the face of provocation. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 43, You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. If we are truly God's children, then we will respond to situations with great patience and forbearance, because that is how God Himself responds to us uh, in our situation. And that's how Jesus responded to all the provocation He had to face throughout His earthly life and ministry. Hebrews 12.3 says, think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. He suffered intense provocation, He exercised infinite patience. So, for Jesus, there was no retaliation. He didn't respond angrily when people were unkind to Him, when people maligned Him, when people hit Him and spat on Him, beat Him, or crucified Him. He did not respond with anger. He did not retaliate. 1 Peter 2.21, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in His steps. He did not retaliate when He was insulted, nor threaten revenge when He suffered. Now, people in the world expect that if they do something to another person, that other person will retaliate when they're provoked. And sometimes people will do things to those of us who are Christians just to see what our reaction is going to be How are we going to respond to this? And the witness of genuine Christian faith and Christlikeness is not to retaliate in the face of provocation. No retaliation and no revenge. He lived by the principle of overcoming evil with good, as he explained in Matthew 5, 38. You've heard the law that says punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Jesus did not retaliate, and Jesus did not seek to even the score with those who were unkind or who did evil to him. There was no revenge ever from Jesus, and he expects the same of us as his followers. No revenge no evening up the score. That is not the way of Christ. When a Christian exercises patience, that patience enables him to leave the outcome of the provocation with God. And when he does that, then his patience becomes a compelling and convicting testimony. This is what Paul had to say in the subject in Romans 12, 17 to 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. How long then must we bear and forbear? That was the question that arose in the mind of Peter as he watched Jesus and listened to Jesus. Lord, Matthew 18:21. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For the Christian, there are no limits to the exercise of patience under provocation. We are to keep turning the other cheek. We are to keep forgiving those who sin against us, and we are to keep on loving our enemies. No retaliation, no revenge. Patience under provocation. Secondly, the Scripture teaches us that we need to exercise patience through suffering. Thomas Akempis said, he deserves not the name of patient, who is only willing to suffer as much as he thinks proper, and for whom he pleases. The truly patient man asks nothing from whom he suffers, whether his superior, his equal, or his inferior, but from whoever, or how much, or how often wrong is done to him, he accepts it all from the hand of God and counts it gain. You see, sometimes we're willing to put up with a great deal from people we like or we love. But that's not genuine patience. (laughs) Patience is putting up with all that provocation and all the nasty things that happen when it comes from anyone, irrespective. And when that happens, to see it as an opportunity to experience more of God's grace in your life and to reflect more of God's grace in your life. You see it as a special opportunity that God Gives to you. So the patient person is not short sighted in the face of suffering. He receives the blessings that there are to be gained through that experience of suffering. James 1 2 to 3 When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Times of suffering are so often the times when we grow most in our faith, and they are certainly the times that draw us closer to the Lord and create a greater dependence on Him. So, no matter what our suffering might be, they are opportunities that God gives to us to know His grace, to know His strength, to know His presence, and to lean hard on Him, and so to be patient in the face of these things. Colossians 1.11, you'll be strengthened with all His glorious power, so you will have the endurance and patience you need. A young man went to George Muller and said, how can I become patient? How can I receive this patience that the Scripture speaks of? And George Muller prayed for him, and he prayed, Lord, give this young man trouble in his life. Give him weeks of trouble Make that experience, that the experience of every moment and every day. And the man started to tug on George Muller's jacket and said, I'm not asking for trouble, I'm asking for patience. And quoting in the King James, Muller turned to him and said, but that's how you get it, tribulation worketh patience. It's these, experience, these experiences in life that help us to become patient. Romans 12.12, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. So, don't be short-sighted in the face of suffering, but see that there's a long-term benefit that you can gain through that experience, and don't be short-tempered in the face of suffering. Long-suffering, patience, suggests that the person with that characteristic in life has got a long, long fuse, puts up with trying situations for a long, long time. He's able to smile in the face of adversity. Uh, One of our friends, Mary Barclay, uh, worked with the Bible Club movement for many, many years. She's now retired and in the Stirling Church, and uh, she used to run camps in our church in Aberdeen, year after year after year, and our daughter was brought up through these camps. Mary was quite disabled and frequently was in a wheelchair. And she was visiting a school on one occasion and uh, speaking about coping with disabilities. And she's wheeling herself along the corridor, and she passed two women in the corridor, and she (laughs) heard the women say, I don't know what she's got to smile about. If you know Mary, she's always got a big smile on her face. I don't know what she's got to smile about. In the face of any kind of suffering, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, the world expects to see short-tempered irritation and impatience, but God enables us to respond with a sweet spirit of patience, and that is an incredible witness in our world today. Patience under provocation, patience through suffering, and finally, patience despite disappointments. Now, nothing's surer but that we are going to face lots of disappointments in life, and some of the hardest ones to come to terms with are the disappointments that come from friends, family, colleagues, fellow church members. But the Scriptures teach us that we have to be patient with offenses. Many times Paul was disappointed by his Christian brothers and sisters. His reputation was slandered by a number. His ministry for God was written off by others. But in face of all that, he showed great patience. Colossians 3.13, make allowance, he says, for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Patience looks kindly and graciously on the faults of others and deals with people gently and generously. Romans 15.1, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive. We must not just please ourselves. Paul had to learn that lesson of patience. <clears throat> the fruit of patience that he wrote about didn't come easily to Paul. It came through hard experiences, one of the most difficult that we read of, and this is what I like about the scriptures, it is so honest in its dealings with God's saints, was when Paul fell out with Barnabas because of John Mark. You remember? John Mark went as a young man with him on the first missionary journey. Halfway through, he wanted to go home to Mammy. And he left them. And Paul said, Never again. He's not coming with me on any of my trips ever again. Time for the second missionary journey, and John Mark wants to go. Paul says, not a chance, boy. Not a chance. You blew it. And because he wouldn't put that experience aside, he and Barnabas had a very sharp altercation. Scripture tells us that. It wasn't just a, well, you go your way, I go mine. They had a real Barney, a very sharp altercation. Paul went one way, Barnabas the other. Paul took Silas, Barnabas took John Mark. He did the same for that young man as he had done for Paul in the very beginning when nobody wanted to know Paul. And Paul uh, was ostracized by most Christians. But Barnabas went and got him from Cyprus and brought him to Antioch and mentored him and helped him to grow. Well, Barnabas did the same for John Mark. Paul forgot that lesson. And he had to learn it the hard way. And afterwards, when the penny dropped and he realized that he had not responded to the situation the way he ought to, as a Christian, never mind a Christian leader, he put it right. And he got John Mark to join him. And John Mark became a very important member of Paul's mission team. You see, Patience wasn't an easy thing for Paul to learn, but he learned the lesson. And he, therefore, can write to us about forgiving one another's faults, about being considerate of those who are sensitive, not just pleasing ourselves. Patience with offenses, and finally, patience in rejection. And of course, the supreme example of patience we see in the Lord Jesus Himself. When we think of what sinful men did to Jesus, the religious leaders spitting on Him and punching Him, He patiently bore their abuse, the Roman soldiers beating Him, putting a crown of thorns on Him, he patiently bore the pain. Nailed to a cross, scorned by those standing around at the foot of the cross, he patiently prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As he saw his disciples desert him, not a word of condemnation. He poured out his life in loving service for men and women, but when He was rejected and nailed to the cross. Not one oath, not one curse, not one unworthy cry passed his lips. Jesus bore rejection with patience. Now, when we suffer the rejection of others, how do we respond? How do we respond when those with whom we work or study shut us out because we're Christians? How do we respond when cliquish Christians ignore us and shut us out of their intimate group in church? How do we respond when despite our sincere attempts, an offended brother or sister refuses to be reconciled to us? Do we bear it all with the patience of Christ Do we still pray for them? Do we still maintain a spirit of openness to them? We can't force people to accept us. We're always hurt when we're rejected. But we can't force them to love us. We can't force them to accept us. But Paul says in Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Patience. Patience under provocation, no retaliation, no revenge. Patience through suffering, not short-sighted to resent it in the immediate, but seeing the blessings of the future. Not short-sighted and not short-tempered because of what you're having to go through. And patience despite disappointment. Patience with offenses and patience in rejection. Countless opportunities for us to develop patience. At best, we're only poor reflections of the Lord Jesus, but as we abide in Him and live by the Spirit, He grows patience within us. May patience that reflects the very nature of God Himself be grown in your life and mine, and may it bless the world. Let's pray. Father, thank You for what we've been thinking about this fruit of patience. Bring patience into our lives in rich measure, so that in every circumstance and situation, we might respond with patience and generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.